This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station. News Radio 105.9. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Monday afternoon. Brand new week and a brand new month, August 1st. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. The Noon Business Hour presented by the Village of Bedford Park. The week ahead includes Friday's big government jobs report. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, city leaders announce an agreement that keeps Lollapalooza in Chicago's Grant Park for at least 10 more years. We're joined by Greg Hines, columnist, Crane Chicago Business. Uh, The big reveal came yesterday when Mayor Lightfoot uh, announced the extension to uh, the uh, thousands of screaming fans at Lollapalooza. Greg, before we go into the details of this uh, particular deal, uh, back when you were covering Lori Lightfoot when she was uh, on the uh, old police board and uh, taking part in other uh, uh, civic accountability initiatives, did you think uh, she would be uh, the one to get the crowd off their feet at Lollapalooza sometime in the future? Well, uh, with the with the job comes the glory. Sometimes uh, Lori likes it. Is uh, like all mayors, is pretty good at uh, seizing her opportunities. But uh, I, I will admit it. She is an, an unlikely person to come across as a rock hero. Uh, but uh, sometimes the job bounces that way. Well, I mean, at Lollapalooza, it brings together uh, Mayor Lightfoot, uh, Metallica, the CEO of Goldman Sachs, who was doing a DJ set over the weekend. It draws a, a fairly uh, diverse group of mer- movers and shakers every summer. It'll be doing the same thing uh, in Grant Park for the next decade. Uh, what does this mean for the city of Chicago? Well, it means uh, it means that what has over time become a, uh, not without some controversy here and there, but over what has over time become a pretty popular and regular part of the Chicago summer routine. It's going to be here for a while, uh, at least 10 years. Uh, there's, there's also a five-year option period on top of that, uh, so uh, probably 15 years. Uh, what it means is, uh, is uh, well, for, for if you're a music fan, it means you get to, get to go to this event, even if, uh, even if you're a little long in the tooth, uh, your kids get to go. And uh, uh, we get this thing. Uh, we get a lot of tax money out of it, about $8 million a year now in uh, in fees and uh, in taxes and so forth. Uh, and if you're in the hotel business or the hospitality business, uh, you're in Nirvana. That's probably the best weekend of the year for most of those folks. Um, uh, you know, rooms were filled up. Uh, hotels are filled up. Uh, uh, restaurants are filled up. Bars are filled up. So it's a big economic pop. The city says uh, about $400 million a year in economic impact. Uh, you know, with parts of our economy still recovering from COVID, particularly uh, the convention business, that's important. You have to be able to pay the bills somehow, and this, this is, helps us do it. 
And what, uh, what, how much of a difference does Lollapalooza make to the park district? You know, it gets about eight million dollars in fees from Lollapalooza. Uh, how much? How beneficial is that money? Well, it's only a, a small percentage of their overall budget, which is one of the hundreds and millions of dollars. But uh, is the mayor's like is, is want to say, well, if, what do you want me to do? Raise property taxes instead? Uh, it does help. Um, uh, I think. Uh, I think the, the mo- one of the important things is that uh, is that a good chunk of the money go into the area that has to tolerate Lala, which is the people who live downtown now. Uh, when, when you know, it, in the 17 years since Lollapalooza first arrived here, uh, you've had a tremendous growth of residential living around uh, around uh, Grant Park. Uh, that's a neighborhood too. Those people deserve respect, and in a minimum, uh, a good chunk of the money that the park district gets needs to go for things like maintaining the, the planting, uh, uh, replacing trees that die, uh, making other improvements in the park. Some can go into their general budget, but uh, that's a, that's very helpful for that. And frankly, the very fact that Grant Park is as lush as it is with trees and plantings is is, is because of the fact that the money from Lala has paid for all that over the last 17 years. Greg Hines, columnist Crane Chicago Business. Thanks for joining us to talk about the Lollapalooza contract extension. Coming up, a preview of the busy economic week ahead. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Trade, inflation, and the health of the U.S. job market highlight this week's economic discussion. Joining us now with the preview is Tom Hudson, who is the week ahead columnist with McClatchy Tribune News Services based in Miami. Tom, thanks for joining us today. Uh, everything seems to be like a big setup for the uh, jobs report for the month of July, which will be released on Friday morning at 7.30 a.m. Central Time. What's the consensus on hiring uh, in the month of July? I mean, everyone believes the job market is slowing down, but the uh, weekly unemployment claims numbers suggest there's a little bit of softening, but it's still chugging ahead. Yeah, the establishment survey, Rob, which establishes the number of new jobs created or the number of jobs that uh, that were removed from the economy, uh, is expected to continue to rise by maybe a couple hundred thousand or so in the month of July. And that, you know, pandemic or no pandemic is still another very decent month of job growth. American companies continuing to add hiring and now growing hiring beyond what it was even in the months before the COVID-19 pandemic more than uh, two years ago. So that's one part of it. I think also the household survey, which generates the unemployment rate, but don't get so tied into the unemployment rate here. Instead, the household survey also asks people if they've gotten new jobs or not. And that part of the survey over the last three months, two of the last three months, has shown a drop in jobs, like negative growth in jobs, right? Like like fewer jobs happening when you're actually talking to people. So this divergent that's happening in the job market is just illustrative, I think, of a lot of the cross currents and uncertainty that's out there that's driving corporate America. Some interesting uh, numbers that came out today when it came to uh, not only home prices, but also uh, manufacturing. Uh, the Institute for Supply Management out with their uh, manufacturing index for July. Uh, the number 52.8, uh, which was the lowest level since June of 2020. What does that mean? 
It means that uh, manufacturing is still expanding. So a number over 50 means that things are growing. A number under 50 means that things are contracting. So it is good news that manufacturing is still showing some signs of life and is still expanding. But that expansion has been slowing down. And in fact, when you looked at some inventories, inventories are growing. So they're piling up in those warehouses. And that is a sign, Rob, that demand is dropping. And what that means is that the Federal Reserve's work on raising interest rates, borrowing costs going up, is working. It is slowing demand. That's what it's been trying to do, is slow demand in hopes of then affecting inflation by bringing inflation rates down. And speaking of inflation, very quickly, their price index fell as well. Uh, What does that mean in the overall uh, fight against inflation? It it could mean good news, certainly, that uh, supplies have been increasing, inventories have been piling up, and demand is softening. That means that the pricing pressures are easing somewhat in the pipeline. Tom Hudson, the Week Ahead columnist with McClatchy Tribune News Services based in Miami. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, gas prices are lower, but will it last? Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Gas prices may be lower, but what does that say about the overall economy? Joining us now is Phil Flynn, Senior Market Analyst with the Price Group and Fox Business News Contributor based in Chicago. Phil, thanks for joining us today. Uh, taking a look at the uh, gasoline trading markets uh, for uh, contracts for deliveries in September, the uh, price of gas, at least on the uh, New York uh, Mercantile Exchange, below $3 a gallon for the first time since the uh, uh, before Russia invaded Ukraine. So at the very least, Phil, I mean, from this perspective as an observer, uh, it seems like the relief that some motorists are experiencing at the pump will continue for a little while longer. At least for the short term, but that's because, to use your original analogy, the economy is coming to a screeching halt, right? Um, You know, on on the one hand, it's good news that gasoline prices are coming up because, let's face it, they were too high. But At the same time, they were coming down because demand really stopped over the 4th of July holiday. Uh, Demand pulled back. People changed their habits. They couldn't afford to fill their gas tank, and now prices are coming down. Now, normally in August, they have a tendency to come down for a little while. Um, And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of concern overseas about whether we're going into a recession in Europe, uh, whether OPEC is going to raise production. All of this is playing into this. Um, but the thing is, is that we don't think gasoline prices are going to come down that dramatically. And we don't think that $3 that you're seeing on the futures uh, contract is going to show up at the gas pump, especially in Chicago. You're still going to be seeing some fours uh, in Chicago, and we think that's going to continue. Now, when it comes to uh, uh, changes in the uh, gasoline as a, as a commodities market, as, as a commodity, and the futures markets, uh, what are some of the factors that are playing into uh, the, the 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 price going down as much as it has over the past month? Is it more oil just coming onto the market? Uh, is it uh, currency fluctuations? I mean, the U.S. dollar is very strong relative to the uh, rest of the world. Is it the interest rate activity, or is it all three? It's all three. I think I think you did a pretty good job giving the world the macro view of, of what drives these prices. And if you look at, you know, the value of the dollar, it's come back down a little bit from its high. But 
when the Federal Reserve was raising interest rates, um, you know, and they seemed to be ahead of Europe, that really caused the dollar to go up. And that put downward pressure on prices because the higher the value of the dollar, usually the lower the price of oil is because it's priced in dollars. That came back down a little bit. But at the same time, if both Europe and the United States is raising interest rates, the fear is it could drive both of those economies into a recession. And when you're in a recession, you generally have reduced economic activity, which reduces oil demand. The problem is, is that I think that the market might have it wrong how bad this recession is going to be. You know, it looks like they're pricing in the type of, uh, you know, shutdown of the economy we had in 2008, you know, with that drove prices down to zero. I don't think we're going to be anywhere near that. So if you look at what's happening in the physical market uh, for oil around the world compared to what we're seeing in the futures market, the physical market would suggest that the demand is a lot better than the market is giving it credit for right now. And uh, as you uh, like to say, uh, if there's a hurricane that uh, that that develops in the Gulf of Mexico that shuts down a refinery or two, we can uh, say goodbye to this era of relatively lower prices. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You, you call it a, a, an era of lower prices when we're still like a dollar fifty than we were a year ago. But that, that's how you yeah. get used to it, though. You do. I, I know. It's like, oh, gosh, I, I paid under $5 a gallon. Winner, winner. I feel like I won the lottery. It's crazy, but that's true. That's how you get adjusted to this. But, you know, I'll tell you what, you're absolutely right. Because, Rob, if we had a hurricane this year, we would be in major trouble. We have already reduced refining capacity. You know, and every morning I wake up and I put on the National Hurricane Center and I look at the Atlantic and, and I thank the good Lord every day because there's, there hasn't been a lot of activity there. So, uh, you know, I'm really afraid if we do get a hurricane and, and we knock out a refinery, uh, you know, the prices that we saw earlier this summer uh, are going to look cheap. Phil Flynn, Senior Market Analyst with The Price Group and a Fox Business News contributor based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Still ahead, a look at the growing demand for the four-day work week, and then it's also Stock Picker Monday. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. This is Nancy Hardy. Five members of a Rolling Meadows family, a mother and four children, are among those killed in a wrong way crash near Hampshire this weekend. More rain in the forecast for eastern Kentucky, already the site of massive, deadly flooding. We'll see what's moving Wall Street this Monday afternoon and a look at the growing demand for a four day work week. WBBM Business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 53 points. The Nasdaq is down 33. The S&P 500 is down 17. AccuWeather says times of sun and clouds today, breezy and warm, low humidity, and a high of 86. 82 degrees right now at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, a Rolling Meadows mother and her four children were killed in a head-on crash on the Jane Addams Tollway this weekend, along with two other people. State police say a 2010 Acura TSX was driving the wrong way 
on westbound I-90 near Hampshire shortly after 2 a.m. when it hit a Chevy van, sending both vehicles up in flames. Police say 31-year-old Lauren DeBeau, her four children ages 5 to 13 years old, plus another 13-year-old were killed. CBS2 spoke to the DeBeau's longtime neighbor, David Moreno. You're used to seeing those kids riding their bikes up and up and down the street, and then, of course, the parents, you know, yelling at them to be careful, to slow down, you know, things like that. You, you know, it's odd that you're going to miss things like that. Police say Tom DeBeau was driving the van, survived, and was taken to the hospital with serious injuries. The Acura driver, 22-year-old Jennifer Fernandez of Carpentersville, was also killed. Nancy Hardy, 105.9 WBBM. There's no relief for already inundated parts of Kentucky, which is expected to see more rain today. After days of devastating floods in eastern Kentucky, the human and infrastructure costs are starting to become clear. More than two dozen people are confirmed dead, damage to buildings and communications described as enormous, making it hard for authorities to search for the missing and rescue the ones found. The weather outlook now. We have a slight risk of excessive rainfall for Monday through Monday night for areas in and around eastern Kentucky. Forecaster David Roth at the Weather Service. Tom Fody, CBS News. The noon business hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Stocks are trading lower, but it's been kind of an up-and-down day on Wall Street. We're joined by Vahan Janjigian, Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management in Greenwich, Connecticut, author of the book Even Buffett Isn't Perfect. Vahan, thanks for joining us this afternoon. It's uh, the beginning of a new month, uh, July, the best month for the S&P 500 since uh, 2020. Uh, is this a sign that things have turned around after a a brutal first half of the year? Well, I, I certainly hope so. Um, yes, we did have a brutal first half of the year. Uh, the S&P was down about 20, 20%, which is a, a pretty big decline over six months. So I do expect uh, to see uh, the market go up during the second half of the year. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised um, if we close about even for the full year. So, um, yeah, you know, a couple of things to keep in mind is that um, – there's a good chance that we are in a recession now. The uh, National Bureau of Economic Research has not uh, actually declared it, but I think there's a, a good chance that we are. And uh, the fact is that the market um, tends to go up before the recession is over. So uh, it's um, a leading indicator. It's going to anticipate the end of the recession. Um, and we also have pretty good earnings reports, and uh, there is evidence that inflation is coming down. Um, and uh, there's a good chance that the Fed will be uh, ending its interest rate hikes uh, sooner rather than later. Um, and the employment market is still very strong. So I think uh, I would not be surprised to see uh, a pretty good rally from here through the end of the year. If uh, we if we go into a recession, and, and you say we're already there, but the markets are looking like we've turned the corner on that, if we've gone into a recession and the employment market doesn't notice, if people there aren't mass layoffs and people don't lose their jobs, but it does uh, succeed in wringing some of the inflation out of the economy, uh, can Jay Powell uh, do a, a mission accomplished uh, type of situation? Yes. Um, yeah. So his goal was to uh, reduce inflation and have what's known as a soft landing, which basically means that uh, we would have uh, no recession or, or perhaps a mild recession. Um, I don't expect a, a severe recession. I, I don't think we can have a severe recession with the employment market being this strong. So uh, I think uh, what Jay Powell seems to be working, uh, I was a little bit uh, critical. I didn't think he had to be so aggressive in raising rates. I thought that, uh, for example, at the at the last meeting, 
Uh, they could have done only 50 basis points. I don't, I don't think 75 was necessary. And if you look at the uh, bond market, the bond market is telling us that because uh, right now we have an inverted yield curve with, uh, you know, 10-year treasuries uh, well below two-year treasuries. And, and what that's telling me is that uh, investors expect the Fed to end the rate increases soon and then perhaps have to even uh, reverse themselves a little bit. Some of the uh, Federal Reserve banks, they do have uh, some now cast uh, indicators on various sections of the economy, like the Atlanta Fed has the now Fed has the now cast and whether or not we're in a recession. They said yes. The Cleveland Fed had a very interesting uh, inflation metric that says uh, inflation as it's going right now is essentially collapsed. Well, that's interesting. I'm not I'm not familiar with the Cleveland Fed's uh, measure. I do follow the Atlanta Fed pretty, pretty carefully. Um, so, yeah, I do think inflation, uh, I don't know if I would say it's collapsed. I mean, inflation is certainly higher than it should be. But uh, a lot of prices have been coming down. Energy prices are coming down. Commodity prices have been coming down. Uh, there is some evidence that the uh, the rise in housing prices may have uh, come to an end and housing prices may level off. Um, so the big question is, uh, you know, do we are are we in a recession, <clears throat> and if is that recession severe? Now we we have had two consecutive quarters of contraction, which is the classical definition of recession, but that's not the definition the National Bureau of Economic Research goes by. Um, you know, for them, they want to see a general slowdown in the economy. You know, typically marked by things like rising unemployment before they actually declare the recession. So, you know, in my view, we've had uh, all of the criteria for a recession, except for the fact that the jobs market remains very strong. Uh, In any case, I still think that they are going to tell us in about three or four months that we had entered a recession uh, sometime during the second quarter. It reminds me of the uh, National Weather Service saying, uh, oh, yeah, there was a tornado last week. Uh, it's, it's, uh, we sent the people out there and they looked at the damage. It was, in fact, a tornado. Vahan Jenjigian, Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management based in Greenwich, Connecticut. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next, desperate employers begin offering some workers four-day work weeks. It's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. More and more workers are requesting four-day weeks as they negotiate with potential employers. Joining us now is Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm To Discern, based in Chicago. Rick, thanks for joining us today. When we talk about the four-day work week, do we mean a three-day weekend, they are off on that fourth day, or uh, they can work from home as opposed to the office on that fourth day? Well, the answer is yes. And so what, what I'm saying is there's really two different ways of looking at this. There's actually more than two. So certainly there are some companies that are going to, as a test, uh, uh, sort of a toe in the water, offer that work from home one of the days. And there are other companies that are going to look at the role and say, you know what, we're looking for productivity based on your skill sets and what you're able to do and what we understand about your own personal life needs, responsibilities, et cetera. We're willing to negotiate a different work arrangement. This is actually an experiment that is just almost completed now in the UK. A not-for-profit had 3,300 workers across all disciplines, from CEO level all the way down to you know small fish and chip restaurants, where they said, okay, we're going to guarantee 100% of your income, uh, uh, but you're going to work 80% of the week, and we're going to measure productivity. And if you don't hit the 100% productivity, then the, there's a strong probability of reverting. 
And what they've discovered so far, there's a little hiccup getting going, but once they get going, they've discovered that actually productivity stays high, meets the same demands of the five-day work week, and people have a, a better quality of life. Now, I'm not trying to be altruistic about that. The reason that's critical, particularly in this uncertain economy, is because you now have a chance to offer your key employees something that nobody else can offer them. And so it's not compensation. It's an understanding of where they are and allowing them to do the work at a different pace. And they're going to be more loyal than those that are just going to go to the next highest price. And uh, now these uh, these experiments in workflow and uh, workplace productivity, uh, do they last uh, through the next employment recession uh, when the employer certainly has more uh, uh, leverage? Or is this something that's going to stick and persist? I think the, the forward-thinking organizations, and particularly when you're talking about professional services, if you're an accounting firm, Deloitte, PricewaterhouseCoopers, EY, that job when people my age did it was when I was doing an audit, I was in an office from, you know, seven in the morning till nine at night. But a lot of the job was opening up file drawers and pouring through paperwork. Now that same function, they can be thinking nonstop the entire time. Nobody can think for an 80 hour week straight on, on an accounting function. Plumbers, electricians, manufacturing. So if, if I'm a forward-thinking person, I'm saying, okay, I can keep, all, I can get somebody to do it cheaper, and and my my top costs will go down. But if the work is substandard, if I lose customers or I can't maintain the kinds of quality and and good work that I need, maybe it's a better deal to take somebody who's really good at what they do, but also has two small children at home or elder care issues and negotiate something where I get really strong talent that nobody else can get because nobody else is going to offer the deal I offer. And then lastly, I mean, obviously, if you have uh, employees who can get the job done in four days out of the week, that's fine. But what happens to your staffing as you try to cover that fifth day? Because you said some of these places are like restaurants where they are, you know, they're they're in operation six days out of the week. And uh, if you have somebody working four days instead of five, somebody has to cover their work. It's a beast. I mean, the change requirements for an organization to adjust to this, whether you're small or big, are huge because there's a lot of we all know in every organization, there's a certain amount of time making personal phone calls, working on Candy Crush or whatever, whatever the other distractions might be working on your March Madness uh, grid. But you have to the organizations have to become a lot more efficient about communication and work where they say our meetings are capped at 30 minutes you get a red light on your desk. You get a light stoplight that says, you know, I'm open to talk. I'll take, you can talk to me if it's critical or I don't want to talk to anybody. And people can have to start to respect that so that they can, when they're there, they're really effective at their work as opposed to sort of the presenteeism. Well, you know, I didn't get it done today. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll get to it someday. That's, it's about the work and the productivity, and I don't think that's weak. I think that's a strong way to go at an organization. Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm Two Discern in Chicago. Join us this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday, and still to come, a visit with our Monday afternoon stock picker. Money Talks, as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday on the WBBM Noon Business Hour, and joining us with a pair of investment ideas is Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital and author of the book Calculate risk based in Chicago. Michael, thanks for joining us today. Uh, you have two uh, selections, one of which is fairly well known, but uh, let's start with the first one. And let's say, uh, for, for lack of a better word, uh, the, your first pick is a, it's a pretty good bet. Yeah, 
Good afternoon, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I, I, I like the gamble in in, uh, in this in this name. It's Penn Penn National Gaming uh, P N N ticker. Uh, the earnings are Thursday. Um, it's a 15 PE stock, and it's definitely a risky name. But we like the risk-reward. Um, we think it's favorable. They, they don't have Chinese exposure like some of their competitors, like Wynn and Vegas Sands. And the trend in sports betting is definitely giving them significant tailwind. And this is a stock that was $130 back in the, the frenzy of early last year, back down to $34, so down 75%. It's down 30% just this year, like a lot of stocks. But, but this is not like a tech name or an IPO that has no earnings. This is a legitimate uh, stock that earns 2 to $2.5 this year, um, and again, a, a, a 15 PE. So it, it, it will be volatile. It, it will be a stock that's not for the faint of heart, but if we get any kind of dip in inflation and consumer spending rebounds, this stock is going to benefit dramatically. I think it's a good bet to, to to pop just on earnings on Thursday. I'd buy it before earnings. And one year out, this this could be a double. Uh, we just need the economy to, to settle settle in here and people to start spending again. Um, it, this, this is a, a name that has just gotten pummeled way too much, and, and any kind of rebound in, in consumer spending will uh, benefit Penn. So I like it a lot in, in the uh, next uh, 6 to 12 months. And your uh, next stock of the week is uh, good old-fashioned Target. Yes, Target. So down 30% also year-to-date. It got hurt badly by inflation and kind of caught them by surprise. They had pretty good margin compression, um, but, but it trades at a 13.5 PE. Uh, so the move down, in my, in my opinion, is excessive. Uh, for middle and upper class uh, shoppers, this is the go-to place for just about everything. That's not going to change. The, the earnings compression, uh, the margin compression that happened in the first half of 22, that should abate, and, and uh, it will cause you know, fiscal 23 to be $9 a share, but uh, next year, it should go back to $13, which you throw a 15P on that, and it's $200 again. And that's where we think it's heading. Uh, we like it in the, in, in the, in the next year to, to get back to that $200 number, and uh, it's just a great bet. You know, it it kind of got hurt a little bit too much early on in this year. And, 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 you know, buying the dip has not always worked in these stocks, but for a quality name like Target, uh, I think buying the dip right here is, is a very, very smart move. So we like it in the next 6 to 12 months, just like Penn. Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital, author of the book Calculated Risk, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us for Stock Picker Monday. His selections for this week, Penn National Gaming, P-E-N-N, and Target, T-G-T. If you missed any part of today's Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.